I'm thankful for it. But as I was preparing for this message this morning, um, I had uh, heard uh, a little story, and I just want to share it with you. Um, there was this gentleman who was getting ready to walk across the street. And as he looks down the street, as he gets ready to step onto the street, sees a car way down yonder, but he has plenty of time. So he steps out off the curb and into the side of the road. As he does that, he notices the car kind of changes direction and is aiming right for him. So that kind of throws him for a little bit. And so he moves to the center of the street. And as, the, as he gets to the center of the street, he notices the car kind of swerves and he's aiming and it's coming right for him. So now he's starting to really freak out. So now he goes back to the curb or back to the, the side of the road where he started. And he notices the car swerves and goes straight at him. At this point, he's just not knowing what's going on. So he, he goes towards the far side of the road. And at that time, he notices the car is coming straight at him. At this point, he's completely thrown for a loop. So he just stands in the middle of the road, doesn't move, freezes. The car comes flying up to him, next to him, slams on the brakes, and he looks inside the car. And he sees a squirrel driving. And the squirrel says, it's not so easy, is it? (laughs) Today, what we want to talk about a little bit is kind of like that. It's not so easy. It's a little difficult. And um, forgiveness for Christians... um, is a beautiful thing on one hand and very difficult thing on the other. Forgiveness, Webster's definition of forgiveness, is the intentional voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feeling and attitude regarding an offense. Let's, let's go of the negative emotions such as vengefulness with an increasing ability to wish the offender well. That's Webster's. Mine is not wanting the offending party to suffer ill will is biblical definition of forgiveness. And that's very critical because a lot of us have this skewed view on what forgiveness is. And so we're going to open up God's word today and allow him to do that. But before I do that, I want to give a warning, 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 that whenever you start talking about the F word, forgiveness, there is a cause and effect that happens to many people. And what happens is you might go to the, oh, this is for so-and-so effect, or this is for him or her effect. Warning, this is not for them. This is for you. Okay, It's for me. It's for us. It's for the body of Christ. And in our text, we find Jesus getting ready to to share that truth with us. If you think it's for somebody else because they really need to hear that, forget that. Allow it to hit you right square center where it belongs. Listen, forgiveness exists on two main levels. Forgiveness is from God to us, and forgiveness is from us to others. And that's pretty much what we want to look at today. We want to keep it simple, and I want to keep it short. And whenever a preacher says that, it's usually going to run long and dry. But I'm going to do my best to keep it on time. But listen... Most people rejoice in the first, where God forgives us, forgives our sins and our failures. We're good with that. That, that you know, That's a beautiful thing. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that part of the parable because I'm believing that most people in the church this morning, we are the church. Amen? 
This is just a place where the church gathers. So we're good with what God does for us. It's the second part that's a little bit more challenging. We're going to look at that. Um, but let me just, I could summarize the whole sermon. We could just pack it up here. Is that there is never an opportunity to harbor on forgiveness. Simple, done, we're out of here. There is never an opportunity, no matter what the offense, to harbor unforgiveness. And that is just a truth of God's word. And today, we're going to allow God's word just to kind of confirm that in our spirit and allow God to move. I pray, I pray that we've come with an anticipation to, to hear from God, to seek what he has for me and for you, and allow him, allow our ears to hear. Unforgiveness is more subtle than most sin. Unforgiveness just kind of smoothly and slowly uh, creeps into you and, and your spirit, and you don't even know it until it's got you. Unforgiveness is more common um, than most sin. We all battle from time to time. You know, we may not battle with the big sins, but... It seems that many, many increasing Christians struggle with forgiveness. Unforgiveness is more dangerous than most sin. Although it doesn't cause overdoses and car accidents, it does divide um, churches, families, marriages, nations. So it's extremely important. And Jesus was teaching on this, and we're going to look at it, and we're going to be in Matthew 18. Um, Unforgiveness has been called the cancer of the soul, and if it's not checked, it will eat us alive. So it's super, super important, and and the Lord laid it on me to, as as Pastor Lucas was uh, sharing in the last few weeks, I'm sure everybody remembers everything he said about, you know, challenges in leadership. Well, Forgiveness is huge when it comes to leadership. Last week, everybody remembers what Pastor Lucas talked about, right? Having a tough skin and a soft heart. Right? We all got that. Well, forgiveness is tied to that in a very close way because if you don't forgive, it's just a very difficult thing. Jesus talked to us about this in Matthew 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. I'm going to be in verses 21. I think it'll be on the screen. Verses 21 through 35. And this is our Lord speaking to his disciples. It's our Lord speaking to us this morning. Not who you think should hear it, us. Verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times 7. And now Christ goes into a a teaching on it. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had began to settle the account, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and make payment, will be made to pay You all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. Excuse me. Let's back up to 26. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me 
and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and laid hands on him. He's not anointing him and praying for him. He's smacking him around. Laid hands on him. Lost my place. Hang on one second. And took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So, his ser- so the fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that he had what has been done, they were very grieved and came to told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. We thank you as your people that you are a merciful, gracious God that you are a forgiving God. And today, Lord, I pray and we agree together in your son's name that, that you would speak to our hearts in this area. And God, that you would do, we would have an encounter with you this morning. We, we love the worship and, and everything that, that's a part of that and, and speaking and lifting up your name and, and, and all that. Well, Lord, we love your word and we thank you that you're speaking through it this morning. I ask you just to... to let my words be your words. Any words that are spoken that were, are, are not yours, may they be faded from the memory of your people so that no one is deceived in any way. I thank you, Lord, for this day. In Christ's name, amen. Context is king, right? So we need to know the context of the story. And all my stuff is messed up. We need to know the context of the story. We have Jesus teaching his disciples, and he's teaching them a bunch of cool stuff, a bunch of powerful stuff that, that is going to further the kingdom of God. And the last thing Christ teaches before we get here is he teaches what most people know Matthew 18 for, right? I'm sure everybody in this room knows what Matthew 18 is famous for, and that's church discipline. That's how to treat someone who has offended you or sinned. You, you go to that person one-on-one and you, and you share your heart with them. And if you win them back, praise God. If not, take one or two and, and go and do it again so that it is, the words are confirmed and there is no misunderstanding. And if that doesn't work, let the whole church know. And if that doesn't work, then you've got to go. That's harsh stuff. That's brutal stuff, right? That prompts Peter to ask the question. How many times should I forgive? Right? So Peter asked Jesus. Seven times? Now, we all know Peter. We know Peter likes to, to expound upon thoughts without, without dwelling upon his words first. And Peter gets a bad rap a lot of times, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and Peter throws out seven. Well, at this time, the rabbis would teach that a repented sin must be forgiven three times. That was what the rabbis taught at this time. So Peter obviously knew that because every male 
Jew or Hebrew would have to go through some training when they were younger. So he would know this, obviously. So what he does is he doubles it and adds one like any good guy would. We expound upon what, what we think wants to be heard. So Peter says seven, or he just knows a little of the Old Testament and is using the number of completion or some people say perfection or maturity, whatever. But he throws out seven impromptu, the last teachings that Christ gave. And Jesus says, whoa, well, let's, let me share some truth with you. He says, Christ goes back and he says, no, 70 times seven. Now, depending upon your interpretation, it doesn't really matter what the number times out to. Some translations, NIV say 77, some 100. 490. It doesn't matter. What Jesus is not saying to Peter, to get it out of the way, is that there is a there is a, a maximum line that when somebody crosses it, you no longer have to forgive. Not what he's saying. Nobody, if you know anybody who keeps track of offenses, that is no way to live as people. Somebody offends you and you're keeping a record of those offenses. That is not what Christ is saying. Oh, well, did he sin against me 340 times this week? Or uh, let me keep... No. He's saying that, that forgiveness is so important that it's unlimited. You can't put a number on it whatsoever. So what Jesus does after he says this difficult teaching is he gives the story to help, the parable to help his people understand. And hopefully today, this parable will help us understand a little bit about forgiveness. Every This is for you, not the person next to you. The story is basically broken up into two parts. What God does for us and what we do for others. And when we look at the story, and, and I kind of want to just kind of Make it contemporary. I'm not changing the text or adding to it or taking away. I'm just going to share it in my words. There is an employer who has many employees. One employee, let's call him employee number one. Employee number one, for some reason, the Bible doesn't tell us, owes a huge amount of money. We're talking, it's irrelevant, but it's unpayable. A couple million bucks, let's just throw it there. It's unpayable. This dude will never be able to pay this debt. The, the employer is settling accounts. Okay, he's, he's, he's straightening his books or closing his books or whatever. And he comes to this guy, and this guy says, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. This man didn't have the means to pay him all, but the employer had compassion on this man and forgave his debt. Now, we know, obviously, if you've been to church in any length of time, you know that this basically parable was teaching us that, that the employer is God Almighty, the employee is you, me, and we have such an accumulated debt of sin that we could never pay it off. God, in his mercy and in his grace, chose to have compassion on Jim 
and you and reveal the truth of who he is and allows us to be forgiven. The debt for this man was wiped away. It no longer exists. For us, God's forgiveness in our life wipes away all our debt. That is a beautiful place. That is, that is a beautiful place for an amen. So let's back up the truck and start over. When God forgives our debt, it's a beautiful thing. Amen. amen. I'm telling you what, that encounter changes everything. Just like for this man, that encounter changed everything. The penalty for sin or debt, the Bible says, is death. Death or prison, as the parable speaks of. This man was freed from prison because of the compassion of his employer. God's mercy, God's grace, forgiving our debt. Now, that's the easy part of the story because God does everything. We do nothing. God illuminates who he is and the Holy Spirit inspires or moves, whatever you want to say in us, convicts, and we receive the truth of who Christ is and our debt is clean. Beautiful thing. I mean, it changes our lives forever. If it hasn't, if you're in here and that hasn't happened, I pray today is the day. But the fact is that this part of the story piece of cake piece of cake nothing no biggie there second part of the story is a whole different ball game whole different ball game employer employee number one who was just forgiven the debt not you know he, he doesn't have to pay it so there's no repayment plan there's nothing due what does he do first thing he does after receiving mercy and grace forgiveness he goes and finds employee number two and roughs him up a little bit and tells him, you owe me 20 bucks, pay it now, or I'm throwing you in prison. The guy couldn't pay it. The text says that he used the same exact words to the, to the employer, to the employee number one. The guy's like, nope, jail, go away, they lock him up. Employee number three, four, five, and six over here in the cubicles over here on the right-hand side of the room see what, what's going on. Goes back to the employer and tells the employer, yo, employee number one, it was a beautiful thing. You, 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 you redeemed him. You saved his debt. You wiped it clean. But that dude just went over there and did exactly the opposite of what you just did. That enraged the employer. Enraged him. So he calls employee number one back into his office and says, didn't I not have mercy on you? Did I not forgive your debt, wipe it clean? Should you have not done the same thing to, to employee number two? I don't get it. Do you ever, I'm sure you do, but have you ever experienced things that you just don't understand why people do what they do? It, just, it blows your mind just to, the severity of the, the beauty of what God and what the employer just did for this guy should translate over here to, to employee number two. 
Just naturally, we ought to be so thankful that we're, we're willing to forgive whatever. This guy didn't. Blows the guys, blows the employer's number one, or the employer's mind. That's it. We don't need you in our staff any longer. We're locking you away. Locking you away. This guy should have forgiven this man. Now, having said the story and the outcome, I want us to know that no matter what the circumstance, you have a choice. We have a choice to forgive or not to forgive, to be or not to be, to forgive or not to forgive. You have that choice, all of us, and it doesn't matter. But if you choose unforgiveness, unforgiveness is self-inflicted prison. When we choose unforgiveness, it is self-induced torture. It is the ball and chain attached to me by my own doing. Unforgiveness, no matter what the cause, you have the choice. So because you have a choice, and because we are God's people, I want to share God's directives in this. A couple scriptures. Colossians 3 and 13. It says, bear with each other and forgive Whatever, say whatever, whatever, whatever grievances you have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You have a choice, but this is God's word to you, to me. Ephesians 4, 3 and 2, 32, sorry. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Luke eleven four. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not in temptation. How about Jesus? Let's go with Jesus' words. They're even more severe and direct to the point. Jesus says in Matthew 6, when he taught about forgiveness the first time, he says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa, that's harsh. That's heavy. That's thrown right in your face, in my face. Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, uh, matter of fact, Pastor Lucas brought this up in our prayers this morning. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your sins. Whoa, wait a minute. That doesn't fit into my, uh, my own theology. Luke 6, 37 to 38 says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. For with the measure you use it, it'll be measured back to you. Listen, Jesus seems to imply that the extent of your forgiveness offers as much as God will forgive you. In other words, it seems that God considers my forgiveness towards another brother or sister as important as his forgiveness to me. That's a scary thought. You pray the the Lord's Prayer, you you know, forgive me as I forgive others, right? What you're saying and praying is, Lord, by the same measure that I forgive others, you forgive me. For some of us, that's a scary thing. And it's an important thing. It is huge when it comes to the body of Christ. 
Why are we supposed to forgive? Well, listen, we are never more like God than when we forgive. When we forgive, it actually helps us to to understand more about what I have been forgiven from. When I forgive, it's simply better for my soul. Anything that I can do to please God is better for my soul. Bottom line. And he says, forgive. Super important. We need to forgive people. Listen, forgiveness brings freedom. When we forgive, okay, stay with me here, okay? Track with me. When we forgive, it brings freedom in our lives. In the 27th verse, the master let this guy go. He let him go. We have this internal earning, yearning, desire, wanting to work out our debt or work out our salvation or, or try to be good enough to receive God's forgiveness. The truth is that you will never be good enough, ever. If, you, if, you, if we can put ourselves in the moment in time, in, the, in, that, in that point of history where this story happens, the man who owed the two mil and knowing he knows his fate, he knows that he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison, separated from his wife, in prison, separated from his children, in prison, and all that he's accumulated would be sold. This dude is terrified. He is terrified that this is about to go down. I don't know if any of you have ever been in court before. I'm sure nobody in here have ever been in court before, but, or, or, or you know, you have that, that you know you're going, you know you had an offense, you know you're there to, to make it right, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's concerning, to say the least, depending upon why you're there. It's concerning, and it can be very concerning. This guy was terrified. The word, the master said, the employer said, listen, I forgive you. Terrified, from terrified to amazed and blown away. From bondage for life to freedom. Freedom. When we forgive, it brings freedom in our lives. Forgiveness brings closure in our lives. Again, the servant, the story, um, after, he got, after he was freed from his debt, he got to walk away. Are you kidding me? He's free. Never the debt ever to be re-brought re, re up ever again. He's been set free. That's behind him. It's closure. This is a, this is a point you, I really hope we get. Because over the years um, in ministry, I've, I've heard this a lot, and it needs to go. People have a hard time forgiving because they don't understand the biblical definition or what biblical forgiveness is, right? Their biblical forgiveness, this hypothetical person that we're going to look at, their biblical f- forgiveness is... I must, as I forgive, I must forget. If I don't forget, I couldn't have forgiven. And that is a lie 
from Satan, that holds down so many people. It's, it's crazy. We are never called to forget. What we do is we know these passages about God, and God, you know, your sins have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, sins never to be held in you no more. And somehow we come up with the idea that God forgot. God doesn't forget. You are just not held to it because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God doesn't forget anything. So why would we put that on us and say, well, if I, if I still remember, or if I haven't forgiven or forgotten, I haven't forgiven. That's wrong. That is bad doctrine. That is bad theology. If you do not want the, the offending party to be injured or have any ill will against them, you have forgiven them. Matter of fact, we're not called to forget. Many times we're called to remember. Not so that the baggage of that issue can, can jump up on us. And if it does, then what we do again is we forgive again. But so that if the offense is so grievous and it's so wrong that we have the power to make that not allow to happen again, we need to do it. We're supposed to be stewards of all things, including understanding. So we need to not allow that bondage to jump on us where we think, well, I haven't forgotten, so of course I haven't forgiven. That's wrong. That's utterly wrong. And if that jumps up on you, you claim the name of Jesus and you cast that thing down out of your life so far because unforgiveness will eat at your soul. Even if you think, even if you think uh, you're the issue, just ask God, ask the Lord to help you. His spirit dwells within us. You have his spirit in you. He will free you from this and allow you to move forward. See, the whole thing about forgiveness is that God is always moving. God is a powerful God. He never stops. Day and night, never sleeps. And if we aren't moving forward with God, we are falling behind. The point is that when we don't forgive, we don't move forward. We don't move with God. We stop moving. And when we stop moving, we're falling behind. We have to continue to move and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the whole point. The enemy knows that, and he wants you to understand that you're just a sinner, and you don't forgive people, really. Well, we really can forgive people. All we got to do is God, and he will do it. Forgiveness brings life. Life. This is the very cool scripture, very powerful word, and, and I want you to see this. Colossians 2 and 13. Hear this. He says, Paul says, When you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us all our sins. In the same breath, Paul puts life and forgiveness. There is life in forgiveness. It's that important. When we are forgiven by God, we find life. Amen? When we forgive others, we give life. 
not only back to ourselves, but to the offending party. It's so, so important. Forgiveness. What God did for us, thank you, Lord. What we do in obedience because we've been forgiven with others is, is a beautiful, powerful challenge that makes us more like Christ. Okay? And I want to finish up right here. There's another element. Although there's God forgiving us and us forgiving others, there is another sense of forgiveness that I really need to address quickly here. And that's forgiveness of self. Forgiveness of self can be very challenging for a lot of believers. A lot of believers. If you have done something that you can't forgive yourself before, I want you to know today you are in a group that is very common. You're not alone. I would venture to guess there's a, there's a good number of people in here that can't forget them, forgive themselves about something. This week was a very challenging week for me. Um, and in this week, I had a very difficult time forgiving myself. Um, very difficult. Um, one of the hardest things I've done in a long time is forgive myself for this week. And uh, what actually happened was I was driving down 31, most of you know who we're th- Highway 31 in South Carolina, and I'm, and I'm probably going a little too fast. It says confess your sins amongst one another so that you can pray for one another so that I may be healed. So here it is. <laughs> I'm going down 31, seven, I'm probably going a little too fast. Okay, I repent. I was going too fast. And I swerved, and I lost control, and I totaled my truck, which, there it is, okay? And until Friday night, I think it was, I could not forgive myself because it was just a stupid mistake. I was going too fast, I wasn't paying attention well enough, and I made... Uh, an 18-year-old new driver mistake and overcorrected and put it into a guardrail at 70 miles an hour and told on my truck, man. But Friday night, as I'm preparing and all this, and I have to forgive myself because I can't tell you a truth and not follow it myself. That's called hypocrisy, and that's, you know, God tends to take people out when they're hypocrites, you know. That's a first sin in the new church, in the church, you know, and they both died. But anyway, I had to forgive myself. Had to, because I was tearing myself up. I mean, the bitterness and the junk that was just oozing out of me. And here's the thing, and I'm not looking for anything. I'm just telling you. I didn't have, I don't have collision on my truck because it's an older truck and it wouldn't be, Worth it, because I pay more for the collision in a year than the truck would be worth. Anyway, dumb mistake, totaled my truck. At the moment, we're cash poor, and I don't have a truck. And then, I don't have a truck. And then one more time, I don't have a truck, man. <laughs> and this is going on and on and on, and I'm like, God, you're such an idiot. Or, yeah, I didn't say nothing wrong. You <laughs> think... 
need to put them back on. <laughs> Here's the truth. I laid the truck to rest. Okay? I'm mourning my truck, see? <laughs> I didn't wear the shirt to be cool. I'm, this, is, this is the funeral. It's a memorial service for the truck. <laughs> it's a very cool truck, but it's just a truck. Right? And I need to let it go. So we're letting it go. It's gone. It's, I'm forgiving myself. Although it was the dumbest thing I've done in 40 years, it's, it's gone. Right? When we do not forgive ourselves, and I'm guilty, we elevate our position above God and spiritually kind of sit on his throne. And that is a bad place to be. That is a bad place to be. Now, you would think, or maybe you wouldn't, I would think that that would irritate God. That me elevating myself above God, because here's the truth. God's forgiven me of my sins and my failures. It's done. Matter of fact, it was done before the beginning and foundation of the world. It was done. It was written. It's complete. It's done. So who am I to not forgive what God has forgiven? That makes me little God. And I don't want to be a God. A little G. No way. But we do it. So what I'm saying is, I can't do that. We can't do that. If you're in here and you have something that, that you know what you did, right? You know what you did. The enemy beats you up about it, right? We elevate ourselves above God and not to forgive what happens is that breaks God's heart. It doesn't aggravate him. It breaks his heart. Why? Because God knows what's best for you. No matter what's going on, God knows what's best for you. And unforgiveness isn't it on any level at all. So listen, if you have never had your debt erased, <clears throat> If you have never been forgiven of your sin, there's going to be people up here that would love to pray with you. They can't do anything for you, but they can pray with you and agree with you. Or maybe you've looked in the time that I've been talking here, maybe you've looked back and you found something that there's unforgiveness. There's unforgiveness tied to something or someone you need to let that go today. You want to let that go today. And there'll be people up here who will pray with you. Right? Or, and, if you have a hard time forgiving yourself. Any of these three areas. Obviously, we want to pray with you no matter what your need is. But these are the things in which my heart this morning, we want to pray for. I want to pray for forgiveness, the biggie, what God did for us, forgiveness, what we do for others, and forgiveness for ourselves. Super important. Great importance. If we, listen, we are a body of believers who love Jesus Christ. Amen? 
We are a body of believers who are about to embark upon the next phase of Coastal Vineyard. Amen? All right, you heard about the money, the, the, the land, all the good stuff that's going to happen and all that. Right? That is not going to happen if we live in unforgiveness. Even if it does happen, we need to be moving forward with God in this church, individually and corporately. We want to be in tune and, and in the will of God going forward. Too many churches, there's too many people on this side who don't forgive somebody on this side, and it divides the church. There's families who something happens within the family. You know, let's face it, every family's dysfunctional. There is no functional families. We're all dysfunctional. But if we could forgive, and here's the key in forgiving, no matter what the area, it's tied to God's forgiveness, and it can never be untied. What God did for Jim was so huge that there is no offense. There is nothing that could happen to me that I could harbor unforgiveness. It's impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but it's sinful. And, it, and it's just a nasty place to live. You ever know somebody who's just bitter with life that just hates everything and everybody? It all stems from unforgiveness. So I urge you today, do not leave this place with any unforgiveness in your heart. Allow God to heal you of it. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.